There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hello, Eric. How are you? Good, Alex. Good to see you, man. Man, I'm so pleased that we managed to arrange this with you being in Vegas and me being in uh, rainy England. Yes. Thanks so much for making time. Yeah, of course. Happy to do it. I mean, it's it's noon my time. I'm not sure what time it is there, but it's easy for me. It might be harder for you. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's 8 p.m. here. Oh, okay. but that, that's not too bad. It's so weird because I've I've been watching your content for for six seven months. Um, hilarious, but also informative, and it's, it's what led me to actually seek assessment in ADHD, recognizing myself in your videos. I really want to talk about your content later on, but just so I'm consistent in this podcast, I always ask my guests the same question to start with, and that is, what's your earliest memory of showing ADHD traits? That's a hard one for me because I I was seven when I was diagnosed. I was pretty young. Um, I don't have, uh, I should say, firsthand recollection of, uh, of showing ADHD traits, but um, the picture that's been painted of me when I was younger by, you know, my mom is, is pretty vivid. Um, and uh, there's one, I used to get notes home from my teachers all the time uh, because I was just like, you know, the, the classic like troublemaker. Uh, my mom said there's this one note that she got that started, I don't know whether to laugh or to cry, but today Eric fell out of his chair, started rolling <laughs> around on the floor, touching every single kid that he rolled by. Um, and like every, every note was like pretty much to that effect. Um, and, uh, yeah, then, you know, they sent me to the school of psychiatrist and I got diagnosed and, uh, actually recently I saw some, uh, old, uh, video footage, um, on like the, the real, you know, like 240 P or like 120 P. I don't even know how bad the resolution was back then or what the lowest possible amount of resolution you could have, but like videos of me uh for like a school performance you know all the kids are standing there and i'm in the back like you know like bothering kids and like falling to the floor and it's like <laughs> so that that's kind of like my earliest memory it, it's hard to say because i don't remember when i got diagnosed um i've always known i've had adhd um and i've always kind of um associated a lot of my um behaviors a lot of the well, negative behaviors uh, to ADHD. So, yeah, I don't know. That, that's a tough one. That's a tough one for me to answer. Mm. No, I mean, I think you answered it really well. I mean, you've, you've you painted a pretty clear picture there of, of your early years. Mm. Um, so you've got diagnosed at seven years old. Yeah. And do, do you remember that process at all? No, I, I don't remember it. Um, God, yeah, the only the only like assess the testing that I remember from when I was I used to have a speech impediment, I had a lisp, and I remember going to a speech pathologist and doing like because they had exercises you know with little toys. Um, I remember I remember that, which was shortly after uh, getting my ADHD testing done. But I don't I don't remember the testing. Yeah, it's just super interesting, and I I reflect on my own school time, and it's actually very different to what you're you're describing i think i personally d- d- display 
I would suppose what you would classify as sort of the female traits, much more sort of daydreamery and inattentiveness. Right. And um, so it's super interesting to hear your account of, of how you were. Yeah. Did, did you have, were you quite sociable, friendly? Do you have friends at school? So interestingly, uh, when I was younger, yes, I was. Um, and in around seventh grade, like June, when I went into junior high, which is like seventh grade, um, maybe a little before then, I sort of became a, more aware of my social uh, differences and I, I developed an anxiety disorder, social anxiety, um, which is, you know, it's an ADHD, a common ADHD comorbidity. Um, and I became, from there, I became pretty reserved, at least um, in the public eye, you know, I was uh, around my, my close circle, I was very you know, very social. Um, but I, I think that's, that's most people, but yeah, after, after, um, <clears throat> I sort of became aware of, of how I communicated differently and, uh, you know, um, just acted differently than people. Uh, I, I, I became a lot more introspective and, uh, the result of that at an early age, at least was, you know, anxiety. So, um, but yeah, when I was younger, I, I was pretty sociable, um, had, uh, you know, had friends, and I, I never really had much of an issue um, making friends, uh, but yeah, def definitely had an issue um, being around new people. It's super interesting. The, the, the making friends is, I think, really relatable to me and to, I think, a lot of people listening, having spoken to a fair few people in the community. Do you, I find maintaining friendships is actually the trickier part. Uh, you sort of... Yeah, do, do, you, do you relate to that bit? Oh, totally. I totally do. Yeah, so for me, like, my friendships were um, very much like, if, if my friends were in my environment at the time, I, I had a close-knit group of friends. Um, and then as soon as I moved, like, a, a big transition for me was um, when I, I grew up in California. Um, and when I was uh, right before going into high school, so it was uh ninth grade um i moved cross country uh to the east coast of uh, connecticut and um i uh, had to make a whole new group of friends and i you know i almost instantly i lost touch with like just about everybody from california um then it was you know had that group uh in, on the east coast and then ultimately i moved back to the west coast to los angeles before before moving here to vegas um, and then I just, I basically lost that group of friends. Um, and uh, yeah, I had a group of friends here, um, Los Angeles, moved from LA to Vegas and lost that group of friends. So it's, if like, it, it was very like, if my friends weren't in my proximity, um, yeah, I just, I just, I've always struggled to keep in touch. And honestly, it's the same way. I, I hate to say it because it's, uh, you know, I, I feel really guilty, but it's the same with family, you know? Like my, I love my sister to death, my my mom, my dad, but I'm 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 not great at keeping touch with them, uh, and I do, but they they carry most of the uh, the load uh, on that front. Mm. Yeah, I mean, so relatable. It, it really is true. I think you know, out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, and it it, it doesn't mean that we don't wow. care, right? Yeah, it's it's just if it's not immediately in front of us, and we're going to get an immediate something back from it like the effort to maintain relationships friendships family it's it's just not something that yeah is gives us like an instant reward so it's tough yeah I mean, that's my sort of take yeah on it. And, and that's so interesting i've never ever uh heard someone put it in that in those terms but it makes total sense like the the object uh permanence right like out of sight out of mind i never realized that uh, the same thing happening is happening with like people socially, but you're totally right. Yeah. So I guess it's, it's the same, it's the same sort of, I guess it's all executive functioning related, but like, um, if this, you know, check that's on my desk, if, uh, you know, if I put it, if I put it somewhere, I'm going to forget about it, you know, potentially forever until, until it comes up. Right. Similar, similar with mm. friends. Really interesting. Yeah. If we, if we, cause I'm thinking of my WhatsApp and other people I've spoken to, if we were to look at your WhatsApp or your phone and we scrolled back through your messages, would there be messages from friends asking if they had offended you or if they had done something wrong? Um, yes. Uh, yes, but also, um, 
Not not as much as you might expect, I guess. I, I think so with, with my inner circle, and maybe this is just a product of me being aware of, of my ADHD, um, my friends are, are uh, pretty aware of, of how I am um, and, and in that regard as well. So like, um, you know, I think a lot of the traits that um, people can perceive ADHDers um, as, you know, bad friends, right? There, there are, the communication is certainly a, a large aspect of that. Um, my friends are generally pretty aware of that. Not to say that, uh, first off, not to say that it's like acceptable. I'm, I'm, I'm not, not making excuses, you know? Um, like, like everything um, relating to ADHD, like um, even though a lot of what we experience um, is more difficult to manage than others. Um, it's not. It's not an excuse because we, we still have to figure out how to manage it, and especially when it affects others, right? So, so friendships is, is a big um, is a big one. But yeah, no, I think like I can think of probably two friends uh, in at least the last several years that have uh, been offended and you know called me out for for how how i've been on that front which is uh also kind of interesting to me because I, I haven't really thought about it in in those terms before um i think i probably should have had more friends that are well, a little more upset with how um you know how i have been um with them you know keeping in touch that kind of thing yeah mm. hmm. gosh yeah it's, it's so interesting do you do you have any tips for, you mentioned that it's not an excuse and I, I agree I think you know we have we can put systems and mechanisms in place to increase the chances of us being able to maintain friendships and romantic relationships we could get onto that later yeah. do you have any like can you share what you do perhaps that helps you maintain friendships let's see let me think about that one for a second um, it's got to be intentional um, I think that's probably one of the biggest, one of the biggest aspects of ADHD management that I figured out uh, later on in life than I wish I had. Um, there's a lot that we observe in others that uh, we, you know, it seems to happen like naturally. So I think there's this expectation that these things should just happen naturally for us. So, you know, when I look at others and how they communicate and how they keep in touch with people, um, it doesn't seem like it's something that takes like a lot of effort. Uh, and, I, and a lot of this, of course, is just like, you know, that's how I observe other people. If that's actually how they feel, you know, that it, I don't, I can't know that, right? Um, but with ADHD, with keeping in touch with people, it's like, oh, you know, that's something that I should be able to just uh, inherently do. So I'm not going to put a lot of effort into it because it's, it's something that's just gonna happen, right? Even though it, it's not, because historically it hasn't happened. Um, so, uh, just getting your mindset around that and realizing that <clears throat> you're not a great, uh, communicator or you're, you're not, you're not great at keeping in touch with people. That's something you want to become better at. Uh, so I'm going to have to put systems in place. I'm going to have to have tools, mechanisms, whatever in place to be able to do that. And I'm going to have to put effort towards it. It's just, it's just, a, it's a little thing, but I think it's something that a lot of people, disregard there's so much that should happen automatically and uh even though it doesn't for us we still want it to so we behave in a way that um is as if those functions are automatic for us um but recognizing that they're not and if it's something that you really want to do if it's something that's important to you um you need to be intentional about it put system in place have some sort of process even if it's like I mean, the idea of uh, putting something on your calendar that's just like, you know, reach out to so-and-so, um, you know, that's, that's something that can help. But again, it's that, that, the idea of that seems abnormal, right? Like, I think that people shouldn't have to set reminders for themselves to, to reach out to a good friend of theirs, right? Because it's, it's someone that I want to talk to. Um, but the reality is it, it is something that you have to do. Man, that's so interesting. I mean... It sounds like you said, it sounds like a, an idea that we should, a thing that we shouldn't have to do, but 
God, I ha- I, that would help me so much. Um, there have been people in my life that I've been really, 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 really good friends with. Yeah. And I've seen them, gone out for dinner with them. And then I've just dropped off a cliff and they've messaged me and I just haven't replied. Yeah. And you do feel guilty because oh. you look back through your WhatsApps and, and you know, best friends, good, really good friends have just drifted off yeah. through your through fault of your own i actually think like if you if i just had a reminder and said check in on dave yeah. for example yeah. you know once a week so i actually think for the listeners that is that is it's the simple things that i, I think I actually think is is really good advice for sure and and i think also just uh, to that point like um and not just with like keeping in touch with people I'm, I'm sure there's an app that helps you do it right because there's like an app and a program for everything um but um i think that the more time that you spend coming up with like a, uh, a unique system and tool that's going to work for you specifically, um, and that is not just an app. So even if there is an app that's like touted to help you keep in touch with people, like maybe take a look at it, but still work on creating your own system that can can incorporate the app. It's not going to do everything for you, but you need to you need to construct a holistic um, you know product for yourself. Um, that's, mm. that's, uh, that's probably, you know, when I talk about ADHD management, that is probably the single most important thing in my eyes, um, that in any aspect of, of your life that you want to manage better, um, when we're talking about ADHD, um, you have to like, you have to really think about, um, you have to really think about the method in which you're going to be doing it and, uh, and put together some, build something, um, that, may or may not already exist in some capacity, but um, you have, you know, you have made sure that you've, you've built it in a way that's going to work for you specifically. Um, because most of the stuff out there, I mean, it's just that, you know, what, maybe 5% of people um, have ADHD. You know, we don't, we don't know the, the exact number, but that's, that's a, a rough est- estimate. Most products out there are built for the 95%, right? So um, just always, always keep that in mind when you're looking for solutions that um, you're probably going to find 5% uh, of, of what works for you, but then 95% of it, you're going to have to, you're going to have to like build yourself. Um, and it's always an investment. It always is. So it's important to figure out what's really important to you. Um, and then, you know, put in the time to, to build those systems around it because managing mm. everything, uh, I, I don't know if that's possible. There's so many elements which can be, I think, hugely advantageous um, if managed properly. There, there, there is a huge part of your uh, what you're doing now with your professional life and your entrepreneurial streak and your um, the the system that you've created called Life Actuator, which is a great management tool. I've I've checked it out. I I do want to get onto that. I'm just. Awesome also really keen to answer a question that i keep to ask you a question that i keep getting from my community to see if i can get some some some, another point of view romantic relationships um now i think adhd and romantic relationships can be very interesting and it's it's a question i ask all my guests and what do you think adhd brings to a romantic relationship it's it's tough man like I, so I've been, I've been married to my wife for, um, close to two years, but prior to that, we were in a relationship for about seven years. Um, and, uh, we had a lot of ups and downs. I mean, there, there is a lot of, I, I have put my wife through a lot, um, because just, you know, the inherent nature of, of what ADHD is and the, and the symptoms um, that we experience, you know, when we are hanging out with friends or when we are interacting in like a professional capacity, like, um, you know, it causes, it, it, it causes problems, of course, in, in the workplace, it causes problems, uh, in, in academia, it causes problems. But in romantic relationships, I mean, it's, it's obviously uh, so much more intimate um, that you have a lot less, there's a lot less tolerance for a lot of the behaviors, uh, especially around like communication. So, um, the, you know, when I, when my wife tells me something three times that I, I don't hear her, right. I, I don't, I don't process it. 
it's a problem. It's not an excuse, right? Like it, even though my ADHD is the reason why that happened, if I didn't have ADHD, that probably wouldn't have, have happened. The, the result, the way it made her feel, like that, that's real, right? So, oh man, there's, it, it, the reason why it's so challenging is because there, there isn't tolerance for that kind of thing. Uh, and you can have the most, my wife is unbelievably understanding when it comes to, to ADHD. Um, and, and what I experience and how, you know, how I interact with her and how I interact with the world, but it's still like, there are still so many things that I do that, that make her feel like she, you know, isn't being heard or that I, um, am not doing, um, what I should be doing to make her happy. Right. And, and I, I, I do all like, ultimately I make her happy. She makes me happy and we have a great relationship. We have um, uh, a beautiful daughter, a beautiful family. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just there, there's so much that, um, man, there's so much that, that it, it's kind of like a microcosm of having ADHD in, you know, in the world period, interacting with, with everyone, um, on, on a day to day, like you have these struggles um, that, uh, you're personally affected by, they affect others. And even though like there's a reason behind it, the effect that it has, the result of it, um, is all that matters at the end of the day. Um, so yeah, really long winded response to your question. I don't know if I, I gave any specifics to it, but yeah, ADHD makes relationships really challenging. Um, I think, uh, there's a lot of good that uh, we, as a whole, the ADHD community have have to offer, um, but it's not without it's not without you know making the people that we're interacting with frustrated from time to from time to time, especially in a romantic capacity. Um, and uh, I think when you're when you are somebody with ADHD going into that relationship, like it's important that you do everything you can to kind of, uh, you know, lay it on the table, who you are as a person and, and being real about, you know, what's going to happen from time to time, but not, um, not expect the behaviors that are going to make somebody feel a certain way, um, to be dismissed. You know, you're, you're going to experience them. It's important that your significant other, knows that's going to happen and just work together to do everything that you can to, to minimize as many as you can, but like they're going to happen. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, a, it's, it's a really, it's a really hard one because, um, the, I think a lot of, you know, those of us who are empathetic, um, I'm not sure people with ADHD are generally more empathetic than people without, but, um, you know, if you're an empathetic person, one of the worst parts about having ADHD is the effect that it has on others, right? We have our own internal struggles, but then when we see others suffering because of our behaviors, that's, that's really, really hard. Yeah. Gosh, you've really made me think, and I hadn't actually thought about it in that way before. I've asked everyone a similar question, and I think you hit the nail on the head with the, the key is having an understanding partner. I saw some scary statistic that, divorce rates are four or five times higher yeah, within ADHD relationships but because of the reasons that you some of the reasons that you said yeah. um I mean there's a lot of you know positivity on social media listing the positives of ADHD and relationships which I think you know there are many spon you know spont sure. spontaneity and all, and all that kind of good stuff yeah. but I think it was particularly in relationships it is very tricky like you said you can just make your other half feel not heard. Yeah. You can look, you can look them directly in the eye and and just not remember everything they've said. And having that almost like guilt that can stay with you, knowing how you've made them feel. Yeah. Um, I think it's good to be honest about it. It is tough. Um, there's no you know there's no point window dressing. I think you've actually been completely honest. Yeah. And thank you for being so honest in that. Your partner is is uh, understanding. She is that a conversation that you've had, or is that just from her experience living with you? Many, yeah. We we've talked about it. We've talked about it a lot. Um, and um, you know, one thing that we are we both know that I have ADHD, 
and we both will I would never tell her I would never say like oh I did that because of my ADHD right because you can't you can't you can't say that because it doesn't matter like the reason the reason why I made her feel a certain way isn't important what's important is that I made her feel a certain way and I want to do what I can to, to not let that happen again um, so we've talked about ADHD in general a lot we're both aware that I have ADHD we're aware of the behaviors that lead to some of the problems that we will have right we've had we will have um, but it's never talked about uh, it's never problems are never dismissed for that reason right because um, that's not fair to her right that's not that's not fair to her our, our both of our goals are to make each other happy to be happy with each other um, and if something is happening uh, that's making her unhappy like it's a, it's a problem that needs to be addressed and it, it doesn't matter that it's ADHD right are you quite uh... I mean, when, when, when things, when, when there is a heated moment or there is a problem that you might think is a result of your ADHD, is, is it, is that something in your head that goes, ah, oh, I've misstepped, I've taken a misstep there, or I've haven't managed that as good as I have. You know, not in the moment, like when, when things are heated, um, I, I'm not, I'm not able to think that rationally. Um, but after the fact, yeah, um, I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty good at um, analyzing. I'm pretty good at analyzing the the, the situation and seeing um, where the problem occurred. Uh, and you know, a lot of that is me and my wife have worked have worked on communication a lot, and we are we're pretty good communicators. Um, and sometimes it, it takes a while for us to you know chat through it until we kind of get to the seeds of of the problems that have ar uh, arisen. Um, and, uh, it, it's pretty easy to, um, link it back to, you know, the, the ADHD and why it happened. And the hard part of course is, uh, figuring out how to put systems in place to, you know, to avoid, uh, some of these problems. Um, now what, what was your question again? I feel like I deviated from the question. Gosh, <laughs> uh, you've made me think now. Uh, what was my question? It was, well, I think the original question was, how do you think, ADHD affects relationships. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was the original question, and there might be a follow-up question which has left my mind. Oh, okay. Well, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, I answered it. Yeah, no, I think you answered it perfectly, okay. and really honestly as well. So, thank you. I think yeah. people will really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, amazing. I, I don't want to. Uh, yeah, I think you've 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 answered that really honestly. I was zooming out a bit from relationships and just more generally, um, masking is an interesting topic that okay. has is been a recurring theme on this podcast. Um, do you think you mask? Yeah, I I do for sure. I do. Um, and I mean, social anxiety. You know that that phase of my life, which lasted uh, through college, it really wasn't until. I graduated and went out into the the real world and started, um, you know, working and um, um, it really I, I I when I when I recount the events of, of my history, it really wasn't until I got uh, promoted into like a managerial uh, position that I started to uh, dissolve my social anxiety. Um, but all, social anxiety, I mean, that's all masking, right? Like I. I it's it's just it's obsessing over um, others' image of me and trying to in the moment put on a face that's uh, behaving in a way that I think they want to see and you know probably more importantly doesn't make me appear as foolish or, or stupid or whatever you know all of the all of the the negative self talk that a lot of us um, you know. Um, 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 struggle with as we're going through a lot of the problems that we experience with ADHD um, is is you know tr we're actively trying to avoid it in conversations. What happened with me with the social anxiety is all of that pretty much um, rendered me like useless in conversation. Right, like when I was talking with people, I was thinking so much about 
what I was, how I was behaving, what I was going to say, what they're thinking that I, I was only able to get out like very, um, um, basic conversation cues, you know, like, um, how are you, you know, oh, cool. Right. Like, and not, not really following up, uh, in detail and getting to know people because I, I just didn't have the capacity left to do that after all the, the mental chatter that I was dealing with. Yeah, masking, man, that, that uh, for me, every time I think about it and reflect on it, I just go back to the social anxiety because that was such a, um, man, such a, a dark period of my life. And um, I mean, when I was in college, I, I didn't, I, I would love to go back to college and experience it again from a you know social perspective because um, when like when I think about college for most people it's about um, you know the friendships and the and and the the um, parties and getting to know people and all of that and like the academics are almost secondary and for me like the social aspect of it was so um, yeah just it wasn't really there you know like I, I spent more time with anxiety about how I was interacting with people than actually interacting with people, you know? Um, so yeah, that's, uh, aside from that. So masking, like stepping away from the, the social and masking really is social at the end of the day. Um, cause like, that's the whole idea behind it is like putting on a mask to, to be more presentable, how you expect people to, uh, expect, uh, accept you. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I'll, I'll stop there and, and I want to hear your thoughts <laughs> on that. No, I mean, firstly, my thoughts are that's, that's actually completely changed how I think about aspects of that. The masking is social anxiety is, is masking. I think that's what, is what you said. Yeah. And I think, yeah. the anxiety. And so true, and it is so true. And I, I, I was, I was always unsure about the idea of masking, and if I had or hadn't masked before. Um, and based on that uh, explanation of it, then I think I have because I, I had a, a panic attack, my first one in a while, about three weeks ago, when I was just sat at my girlfriend's house having a takeaway Chinese. And if I was on my own, I would have that panic attack wouldn't have happened. I would have stood up and walked outside and gone for a walk and, and avoided it because I want, didn't want to look silly. I just sat there and carried on eating and I could feel my heart rate going and, and a panic attack happened and I had to force myself out of the situation yeah. because it got so bad. So that's actually really hit home. Yeah. And and it's so true. It's such an interesting... I think a lot of people listening will will be really shook by that explanation. Yeah. And, and I think it's interesting because um, now that now that you say that, you're right. Like uh, when you hear the masking conversation brought up, a lot of times people talk about like, you know, being in your seat and trying not to fidget, right? Because no one else is fidgeting and you don't want to look like you, you, whatever. Like for me, like chewing on, I chew on a lot of stuff, like chewing on my pens and pencils and people like, oh, can I have a pencil? Ew, you know, um, but yeah, it's like the, 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 the social aspect, social anxiety. I mean, that's, that's what, that's what it is, right? You're, you're, you are, um, inhibited, uh, from behaving how you want to behave because you're, you've, you've, you are obsessing over what other people think. You're trying to put on a mask and behave in a way that isn't you at the end of the day. So interesting. Do you, do you, do you still, has your anxiety gotten better? Yeah, it's gotten a lot better. Um, I still experience it. Yeah, like uh, even in I was I was worried when we first started uh, filming. Uh, You're going to hear a little like flutter in my voice because that that often happens like at the beginning of, of events like this. If we had like a live audience, you probably would have heard a little bit of it um, before I get into a rhythm. It still happens, but um, yeah, it was uh, when I when I first got promoted into that that managerial position, like I was saying before. That's really the start of when what had persisted for um, eight years, maybe more, had started to fade a little bit. Before that, I, I didn't really, it didn't matter what I tried to do. Um, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't really get over it. Uh, it wasn't until I was sort of in an environment where I didn't have a choice, but to, it, it's like, a, you know, exposure therapy, right? CBT, right? I didn't really have a choice but to start changing how I was acting, 
that I started to experience that shift a little bit. Um, still, still experienced social anxiety, um, you know, uh, but less, less and less. And then a few years, but actually right before COVID hit, I took an improv class. Um, and that was, that was super, super helpful for me. Um, and, uh, I mean that, that took my social anxiety down quite a bit from, from where it was, which was already much, much lower than where it was previously. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, the, the, the message, the, the takeaway, uh, that I would, I would give to everybody on that front, anyone who's experiencing social anxiety is like, you really just like, it's, it's, you got to do exposure therapy. You got to do CBT. Like if you could do it in a professional capacity, that's amazing. Uh, if not, like put yourself in, into positions that are going to make you uncomfortable on a social front. Like I, I couldn't, man, if you told me that I was going to do an improv class when I was, I mean, God, before, I mean, God, if you told me that in, in college, I would have laughed. Um, I, no, no effing way I would ever do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I don't, I don't know. I, 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 one of my friends or a, a person that I had met through a friend started talking about it. He had done it and uh, it just kind of planted the seed. Like it was barely there. And I just, I sat with it for probably a, a year, maybe longer. Uh, and finally I, I just got the courage to sign up and go for it. And the, the, the coolest, what, what I figured out in, in doing the, the improv class, um, is that, so my, my mentality going into it was like, you're, you're terrified. Uh, this is, this is going to suck. But, um, if you don't just like go for it immediately, like, like, like right away, um, you're not gonna, you're, you're just gonna not, you're not gonna get anything out of this. Right. So I made the decision before my first class that whenever, you know, a, uh, the teacher asked for like a volunteer or anything like that, raise your hand right away, be the first one to do everything. And same with like, when I was standing up there, like, okay, we're going to do, um, you know, whatever the improv exercise is, you act out a, a scene where you're, you know, enraged by something that happened recently, right? Like just, just going right, right for it right away. Um, and when I took away the time to uh, think about what I was going to do, like that's when the anxiety sets in. So I was sort of short circuiting the, the anxiety part of it and um, just going right into it. And what I found out is like, oh wow, like I can actually be funny without having to like get in my head about it. I can actually do these things without, um, you know, whatever, without having to take the time to figure out how I'm going to do it. And that was a huge, that was a huge, huge shift for me. Um, if I just go into something and, and rely on whatever's in the bank back here, like you're, you're going to be okay. Like you have, you have enough back here to like, to, to get by. You don't have to, you don't have to obsess about it before you do something because it's in that, that, that period where you're obsessing about it, that you're going to figure out all the ways that it can go wrong. That is unbelievable. Like everything you just said there, and then especially the last bit about obsessing over something, before you do it like like you said earlier you alluded to stage work speaking on stages and things like this podcasts i worry about what's gonna be said and actually when it comes down to it every time i've got enough in the back of my head yeah. and it goes it goes it goes absolutely fine right. it goes really well right. so so relatable i mean i'll put information about improv classes in the show notes for anyone listening um you mentioned doing doing things that make 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 you feel uncomfortable, and I guess that's a nice point to go on to your what I think would make a lot of people uncomfortable, which is making TikToks <laughs> and social media content. And yeah. you've you are that's how I came across you. You are a hugely successful creator. I think you've got nearly half a million followers on TikTok and uh, and Instagram, and that's actually how I first became aware. Of ADHD, I think the algorithm knew I had had ADHD before yeah. <laughs> I did, and it was it was your content that made me yeah. think about it. So, so thank you, um, firstly. Yeah, I mean, and that's, that's amazing to hear. No, honestly, I, I remember watching your content and thinking, nah, that's no, that that can't be me. But then the more I saw of it, I was like, the hang on, and then I got assessed and and, and I got diagnosed. So, thank you so much. Of course. Um, how did how did that start the social media content creation journey? So it actually started, I, I was never, before I started social media, it was about a year ago that I started posting. Um, <clears throat> I, I sucked at social media prior to that. Um, I had tried a few times to kind of like get into it. Um, 
And I mean, I hadn't been on Facebook in um, man a long time. I had done something small on Instagram. I'm, I'm almost embarrassed to say it, but I'm going to say it anyways. <laughs> uh, it, I, I started a channel called, this is uh, several years ago, um, a, a drink a day. And my, the entire idea was to try a different kind of alcohol every day for an entire year, which is totally stupid. I, I don't even uh, drink anymore. Um, but it was, it was so stupid for many reasons. But I, I was doing that and uh, I got to like a thousand followers and it was so hard to get there. Uh, and every post was getting like maybe like 20 likes if that. And like um, I just wasn't good at social media. I wasn't really on social media very much. Um, and the idea of getting back into it after like coming off of that, which is a, a few years ago, and just the fact that I, I wasn't really active I was like, oh, I don't want to do social media. Um, but I had this this business thing, you know, I knew I knew I wanted to do ADHD stuff. I knew I wanted to help people with ADHD. So I was like, I got to do something on social media. My wife uh, just kind of encouraged me to start doing TikTok and, uh, and Instagram. So I started posting uh, on both. Um, and it was originally, it was just kind of be like, just, you know, helpful content, not even all the way about ADHD. And then sort of in a peripheral way, I was like, that'll be good for my brand, which ultimately will be good for my business, you know. Um, and I uh, started posting and uh, pretty, pretty quickly, my videos started to get a little bit of attention. I don't know how long it was before I had my first, first like semi-viral video on TikTok. I was, I was doing both Instagram and TikTok and just trying to figure out which one was going to be like, which one was going to be mm. better. Uh, it looked like Instagram at first and then TikTok started doing better and like, all right, I was like, screw, t screw Instagram, um, which is a huge mistake. Um, and, uh, so I didn't post to Instagram anymore. Ke kept posting to TikTok. I posted one video. It was like ADHD versus notebooks. I think the video, I, I think the video was titled. Um, and that one got to like 500,000, uh, views. And I was like, babe, we made it like, this is it. <laughs> Our lives are changing. Um, and, uh, uh, that, that was the moment that got me kind of like hooked on social media, you know, cause like their, their whole thing from like the creator side of things, like we're going to get these guys addicted to this and it worked. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I started, started posting, uh, exclusively on TikTok. I think if, if within the first, like three months, uh, first, God, I, my timelines are, are, I used to, I used to keep track of this stuff. I think within the first couple months I hit 10 K followers and then a hundred K maybe like three months. I, I don't know. It was, it was pretty fast growth. Um, and here we are, like it, it's about a year later, uh, and half a million on TikTok. Now uh, I started posting more to, um, Instagram fairly recently and started growing that a little bit more, but like, I just, I regret not posting consistently to Instagram because like, I have the content. I'm still not good about posting consistently. Um, but Instagram is close to hundred K right now. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that, that's kind of how it started. It started as like, this will be good for business ultimately. Then when I started making posts and finding my style, I realized that um, a like not only is this fun, but like like people are are in the comments and, and the DMs that I'm getting. Like people are really uh, liking this content, finding it really really helpful. Uh, so mm. that that just kind of became um, you know the thing that I just I wanted I wanted more of. I, I just want I wanted to feel like um, I'm reaching more and more people with this content. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, 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 social media became now is like the thing that I think about every day and the business side of things is, is, is like, is definitely more, more secondary, uh, at this point. It really is amazing. I mean, you, you've grown incredibly quick. I think your content stands out because it's, it's both in, in, insightful, informative, and it's hilarious. I think there's a lot of yeah. tick, there's a lot of ADHD content that is just, funny and it's just like not helpful but you're you, you strike a really nice balance where you entertain and educate at the same time my, my more broader question was what do you think of the landscape on tiktok i said so let's stick to tiktok around the adhd content yeah it's it's not good and that as as an adhd creator it's uh it's um 
something I think about a lot. So to give you a little background on, on myself, uh, my mom is a scientist. I am not a scientist. I'm not a medical. I, I went to college for business, not medicine or anything like that. I am not qualified to talk about tech, uh, TikTok, to talk about ADHD from a medical clinical perspective. Um, and I am very, very aware of that. Um, and I know how dangerous misinformation is uh, on social media and how, how prolific it is on social media, especially around ADHD. I mean, we've all seen that study. It's like 80% of, of content on, on TikTok related to ADHD is, is inaccurate, right? So it's very important to me that I don't do that. Um, I, when I post content about, when I started kind of creating my style, my ADHD style, um, and really digging into like ADHD content on social media, like I saw, I saw a lot of stuff and I continue to see a lot of stuff that I don't like. Um, it's just the way, the way ADHD is talked about. Um, and how it's related to symptoms of ADHD is really loose. Um, and there's a lot of stuff that's like, um, you know, this is, this is not really, this is, this is too disconnected from an actual symptom of ADHD for it to be like packaged as, you know, an ADHD thing that people experience. Um, so I try really hard to, um, you know, I try really hard not to do that. Uh, I have a good understanding of what the symptoms of ADHD are, how it affects, um, you know, how it affects the executive functions, what the executive functions are, and ultimately what is caused by ADHD and what isn't. And, uh, you know, it's interesting as, as a creator, um, a lot of, a lot of people that are on social media know that there's a problem with misinformation on social media, right? And a lot of people know that there's a big ADHD misinformation problem on social media. So a lot of people, like, it's almost like they, they see a video and they instantly think, like, misinformation, right? This is misinformation because it doesn't fit my understanding of ADHD, which is, which is probably pretty loose, you know, um, especially if it's people without ADHD. So I try to address some of those com comments, uh, I, I try to always do it in a respectful way, um, of people who are like, uh, this is an ADHD, everybody does this, blah, 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 blah. Um, and explain like why it is ADHD, what, what's causing it. Um, the, other, the other side of that is ADHD symptoms are experienced by everybody. Every single human experiences ADHD symptoms from time to time. What makes it ADHD is how frequently and how severely those symptoms are experienced. So it's hard, like I posted a video recently that it's, it's a, it, like a few million views. Um, I don't know how many exactly, but it was about me putting furniture together and putting a screwdriver down, going back to get it and it's, it's gone, it's disappeared, like searching around the house for it. I sit down and I find it like on the chair, look for the Allen wrench, it's, it's disappeared. Um, like everybody's experienced that, you know, like misplacing a tool, but like with ADHD, it happens all the fuck. Do you mind if I swear? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. All the fucking time, every single fucking time that I assemble furniture, I will lose the Allen wrench. Right. So it's, it's about the severity of it, but, um, yeah, everyone experiences it from time to time. Um, so it makes managing <clears throat> the perception of, of ADHD. I don't know. It's just, it's a fine, it's all a fine line, really. It's, it's a challenging thing to talk about. Um, it's, I don't know. I guess it's, I can see why other creators start to get into trouble. And by the way, I, I've had, so when I was early on in my content creator journey, I had a doctor reach out to me who was like, Hey man, like some of the things you're talking about, like, like careful because um, like dopamine specifically, it's, it's something that a lot of content creators talk about. He's like, he's like, unless you understand the discussion section of studies of recent studies that have been done on dopamine, just don't like, don't talk about it because um, it's, it's a difficult thing to understand. It's a really, I mean, there's, there's a lot, it affects us in a lot of ways. Um, and uh, there is some inherent danger in people thinking that ADHD is only caused by a deficit of dopamine in the prefrontal cortex because it's more complicated than that. 
Um, he was giving me a specific example of a client of his, I don't know if a patient, sorry, uh, that wasn't really the right word, who stopped taking his ADHD medication because uh, the specific medication he was on uh, was, I think it was a, um, uh, it might have been like an SSRI or, or something, something to do with serotonin specifically. And because he had saw on TikTok that uh, ADHD is a dopamine deficiency, he stopped taking that specific medication and was like trying to manage it in some other way and it caused a lot of problems in his life. And he, you know, he, the doctor got him back on the right medication, but like, that's the danger of it, right? So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a difficult landscape to, to navigate. Um, my awareness is super important to me, but also, um, the worst thing, not the worst, but, um, a problem in talking about symptoms that everybody experiences but not everyone experiences all the time, which is what makes it ADHD and in conjunction with other symptoms is some people are going to start to think like, Oh, do I have ADHD? Right. And if they watch all my videos, you know, they'll start to get a, a bigger picture of ADHD. But if they take one video and just based on that, they could have like similar behaviors to what I have in that video. If they think, Oh, now I have, I, I have ADHD because I relate to what Eric's saying right now. That's not, that's not accurate. Right. So yeah, it's it's uh, it's tough. Definitely, it's definitely tough. It is tough. I mean, I think I mean over here in the UK, like at the moment, we have like a three to five year waiting list to get assessed on our NHS system. And yeah. I, I spoke to a GP, and he said it's literally because of TikTok. Yeah. Um, and it's good and bad, right? It's good. It's good that it's raising awareness, so people legitimately do have ADHD. Yeah. They'll recognize it and go, "Oh, I need to get help." But it'll also make a lot of people think that they have it when they don't. Yes. Um, I saw a bit of content the other day about a, uh, someone tripping over in the street, and the caption was, "Ah, oh, my ADHD again," and it. it it, it like it had millions of views um yeah. and it was funny like it was as, as a comedy video but not as an adhd video yeah. um and all, a lot of the comments were naive young people thinking this has made me think i might have adhd so you know it's there's a clear i think almost pandemic of misinformation on yeah. social media around 100%. i mean just generally but specifically on on neurodiversity yeah. and uh I don't really know what the answer is apart from creators like you, me and the other big ones speaking out about it perhaps yeah. and saying, you know, actually this is, that's, that's just kind of, that's an annoying thing, you know, losing your car keys, yep. but unless you do it every day, that's not really something to worry about. <laughs> yeah, I know that, that's the thing. And it's like one, one thing that I, I do on some of my videos is like put a little disclaimer at the end that says, uh, if blah, 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 or this may be, uh, or people with ADHD may experience whatever's happening in the video. If you think you have ADHD, talk to your doctor, right? Like, so, um, there's the, the challenge is like, I don't have enough time in a TikTok video or an Instagram reel to explain everything and keep people's interest. You know what I mean? Or, or it's like, I don't know. I, I, I haven't, I haven't figured out what the answer is there either. It's something that I'm going to continue to work towards to make, make clear, uh, definitely like, um, like comment replies, you know, is one way that I can personally address it with, with, um, videos on, on my, um, on my channel. Um, but yeah, it, it's definitely, I don't know, it's, it's a difficult problem to solve. There's a lot of, there's a lot of those difficult problems to solve uh with adhd um and you know uh the the assess so another kind of interesting one uh is the online assessment so there's we have this huge problem where getting assessed can take three to five years right um a lot of these companies are coming forward like uh I'm not actually, I'm not going to name, I'm not going to name them specifically because I, I don't want, you know, there to be any drama, but like there are companies that are offering online assessments now to get a diagnosis, basically streamline the process, but it's a process that can't really be streamlined. Right. Um, you, we don't have the technology to do a assessment online, like a, a, accurate assessment of ADHD online at the moment because 
for example, if you're administering uh, a test uh, that requires um, a uh, you know a quiet room and nothing going on, like you can't you can't facilitate that to a person on the other end of the camera completely. You can't remove all other potential factors that could disrupt this test, right? It, can't, it just can't be done online. Um, so it's not you're not going to get valid results. So you're going to have people getting diagnosed with ADHD who don't have ADHDs. You're going to have, I mean, that just contributes to the problem of more people thinking they have ADHD than they actually do and the uh, 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 medication shortage and the assessment, you know, all, all of that. But it's a problem that needs to be solved, right? Because you, people waiting three to five years isn't acceptable. So what do you, what do, you do, right? Like how do, how do you fix that problem? I don't know. Um, yeah, it's a tough one. For sure. I mean, yeah, but over here, it's a funding issue, really. But that's a whole nother political conversation. Right, right. And uh, Unless you go private, which is over here, it's about 850 quid, which I don't know how. But yeah, so it's for the privileged, right? Yeah. Getting a diagnosis at the moment is for the is if you've got a spare thousand dollars or twelve hundred dollars. And we're in a cost of living crisis. So it's a crunch between, you know, awareness is going up, but the ability to actually act on it is going down. So it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a tricky situation. Yeah. Um, I want to speak about your the platform that you've created, Life Actuator, which yeah. you you alluded to before, and you said that a lot of the stuff that you're doing on social media is kind of like a, uh, a an advert to bring so hopefully people in to uh, I don't know if that's the right word, but essentially to promote your it might help your uh, the 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 system that you've created to aid people living with ADHD. Yeah. Did I describe that right? Your your I, intention? That that's fair. That's fair. Uh, that definitely that was the intention in the beginning, and now it's like, um, you know, uh, so I wanted a plat I wanted a platform to help people with ADHD um, through the the scope of my experience with ADHD. Right? Like I there are clinical resources out there. I wanted like this to be sort of a, a non clinical approach to uh, ADHD management based on my experience and some unique perspectives on how to manage ADHD. And I think most of most of us um, who have, you know, gone through a really hard time with ADHD and come out of it with um, a lot of us, have, you know, so there's a lot of quote unquote casualties with, with people with ADHD, you know, who end up in the prison system or worse. Uh, but for people who kind of figure it out, um, a lot of them have created uh, pretty unique management strategies or perspectives on management. Um, and I think there is a lot of, um, well, collective knowledge there, but individual knowledge that, that can be shared. I felt that I had that. I wanted to help people um, who, uh, who had ADHD. Um, and it was actually during COVID uh, where I did some soul searching and realized that like, now, even though I was at a great company and I, I loved, I loved the people there. Like I wasn't passionate about it. What am I passionate about? Well, um, helping people with ADHD would be unbelievable. And I know I have, um, the means to do that. So I started packaging that into something that I called life actuator. Uh, then social media became initially, uh, a supplement to that. Um, and now, you know, my social media has grown and I also have life actuator and it's sort of my, like, bridge between uh the awareness side of things and like how i can help people more because i on my social media currently and by the way i'm, I'm uh, setting up another uh, another channel for uh for help um it's going to be through a a patreon like program but not patreon where people can it's private so people can pay a monthly subscription uh to join in and and, and fund that aspect of it where it's going to be um, more on the management side of things, but yeah, so social media has become awareness and the business has always been about helping people with ADHD. And now I'm, I'm trying to create another channel to, to help people with ADHD. That's uh, a really low monthly subscription cost to make that a little bit more accessible. Um, so that, that's, yeah, that's, that's what it is in a nutshell. That's how the, the social media and the business are, are related. Mm. Just if, if you could briefly describe how Life Actuator functions and what it does how would you describe it basically what it is is um it's a it's a program and i, I use that word uh not because i like to but because i can't figure out a better word to use to describe it <laughs> like everyone has a program right but 
uh, basically, uh, it, it contains uh, six different templates that are used to build your own tools to manage your ADHD. Um, so uh, I took um, different, uh, different aspects of problems that are caused by ADHD, and really that's um, around the executive functions, so executive functioning related challenges, which are ADHD challenges, um, and creating um, templates that are um, um, templates that can be constructed to fit your unique problems. That, that, was, that was really at the core of what I wanted to do. I didn't want to just have um, an app or a program that you download and you start using because it's, it's probably not going to work for you because there are going to be some nuances to how ADHD expresses itself um, with you that don't quite match what this app is offering. So instead of doing that, I basically gave you a, a template and a blueprint to build it how it's going to work for, for you. Um, and at the end of the, the program, you create six different tools uh, with templates that are uh, integrated into the program. Uh, and then you, you, um, you build an app out of those uh, different tools. So it's, you, you basically consolidate those tools into something that you can access on your phone or uh, online. Uh, so that, that's the idea behind it. And then the program itself was, was constructed in a way that uh, is intended to maintain people with ADHD's interest. So it's not just like uh, a Coursera or Udemy course, you know, that you're just watching like lectures and then doing quizzes or whatever, or um, an ebook where you're just reading, right? It's uh, mm. different uh, modalities. So it switches up from videos and, and interactive things and it's all intended to be consumed specifically by people with ADHD. So that's the idea behind it. It's, it's pretty, it's a big project. There's, there's a lot going on into it, but it's all, it's all centered around the idea that um, people with ADHD uh, need to have um, a different method of, of, of A, like consuming content and B, like setting up the, the tools that are going to work for them. Amazing. It sounds so helpful. And I will link to it in the show notes to wherever you're listening to the episode. Um, gosh, Eric, I think that is actually a really nice place to, to end the conversation. Um, I, I've started asking my guests a closing question, and I, I don't know if it's going to stay or not, but I'll ask you <laughs> it. We'll see, we'll see how it goes. Um, yeah, it's interesting. So if you could spend an afternoon with anybody, whether they're alive now or they've been alive in the past, who would it be and what activity would you do with them? Oh, man. Well, uh, it'd have to be my, my grandfather because, I mean, I don't know if you want like a historical figure or, um, but my grandfather was just the coolest guy I had ever met. He, he passed um, a few years ago, but he was, a, he was a fighter pilot. He was an entrepreneur. He actually, um, he was uh, taking off from an aircraft carrier and his, his plane blew up. Uh, he was uh, in a coma for... Um, I think like a year, or like a long time, uh, woke up uh, out of it and basically went straight to work creating a, a business and he became a successful entrepreneur, just a master of the universe type person, really, really inspiring, amazing person. Um, and uh, yeah, it would, it would be him for sure. Uh, he was, he was, man, he, he was just such, is such an inspirational person to me um, just for uh, a million reasons. Um, and yeah, and I miss him. So yeah, definitely, definitely him. Gosh, I think that's the most interesting answer I've had so far to that to that question. Oh. I mean, they've all been good, but that that, that was really that, that was really special. Thank you so much, Eric. Yeah. And it's um, thanks for finding the time to to jump on. This is like I said earlier, you really were what prompted me to wow. think about ADHD and go and seek assessment. And so essentially what started the whole journey and started this podcast. So to have you on and to, to speak to you is truly special for me. So thank you so much. Yeah, Alex, that, that is, uh, that's incredible to hear. Um, as I was saying to you before I hopped on, you know, I, you're, you're a guy that I, I really look up to. So it's, uh, it's, it's amazing to, to be able to chat with you. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, been my, it's been my pleasure. Thanks so much, Eric. All right, Alex. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.